Welcome to One Heart, One Mind, a podcast of the Nampa, Idaho South Stake to inspire and give hope in our efforts to build Zion. And now your host, Lindy Bauer. Hi, my name is Lindy Bauer. Welcome to tonight's podcast, One Heart, One Mind, Nampa. We're here with Heather Badger. Heather, we're so glad you're here with us. She is, she will not say it, but she is a creative, loving soul. And we are excited to hear what she has to say about um, how music and other forms of art have played a role in her life and her coming to understand know God's love. Um, I met Heather, just so you all know. I met Heather about probably, what, six years ago, Heather? We were doing a young girls camp, and we were both leaders. But she, <laughs> she was given the task to organize 200 women, young women and old women, and teach us all how to dance. And about probably an eighth of us actually could dance. And when I say us, I'm not including myself in that. <laughs> and she had us by the end laughing and having such a good time. And the performance was actually, I would say, you could have recorded it and we would have been happy with that. And that's impressive for all those women in their dirty clothes after a week trying to trying to dance. Anyways, it was awesome. So we will hear some of her, her creative side and what she's learned through the years. Um, Heather, what are some of your earliest memories of of music? Um, when I was younger, I remember sometimes we would, when we had just gone to bed, my mom would play the piano, and she usually at the beginning she would start playing some pieces that she had learned in college, and they were pretty challenging. But then as it got later in the evening, she would sometimes dabble in composition. And whenever I asked her the next morning, Mom, what was that song you were working on? She would deny it and pinch lips, didn't want to talk about it. And I don't, I didn't know what that was about, but that made me curious about that possibility. And then um, I do remember an evening when we lived in Utah, we sat above the Provo Temple for a picnic for a family home evening. And it was about sunset, and I remember the memory really well because we had tuna fish sandwiches, which were okay, but then there was sweet pickle relish, and I hate that. <laughs> and it surprised me, so I wasn't super happy with that. But I remember seeing Wait, it surprised you that it was sweet or that your mom would put that in the tuna yes, fish? Yes, she ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I was all excited for the picnic until that happened. Um, but after we finished our picnic, we were able to sing, I love to see the temple. And I remember seeing the Provo temple and the sunset and that image was burned into my memory. I think because of the singing at that moment, I felt my testimony of the temple solidify that I wanted to go there one day. So that was a good one. Um, there was a time, um, I believe it was high school. My dad later became bipolar, and our house was um, a challenge. And that's the nicest way to put it. Um, there were a lot of things I couldn't control. A lot of hardship as a teenager. And so instead of sneaking out to see a boy, because that wasn't even an option for me at that point, <laughs> boys didn't really notice that I existed. I would run to this little park that was secluded in a neighborhood, and I remember it had tall pine trees, and it kind of surrounded this park, and then there was a little swing set, and I would swing it in that swing set, 
and sing primary songs. And one of the ones I remember singing is a child's prayer. I'm wondering if he heard me and knew of my struggles and my frustration and my the burdens I felt. And in that moment, I remember feeling like he was holding me and that he was there. And I don't know that my home life got much better anytime soon, but I, I at least knew that he was aware of me and my needs. Um, some fun experiences with music. In college, I was able to teach marching band camps. I was the drum major at Boise State for three years and did trombone and color guard. And I got to experience a lot, but I was able to teach every summer for seven years. I would teach a week in Boise, a week in Nebraska, and then two weeks in Hawaii. That is and I had never left <laughs> Idaho and Utah, so that was exhilarating. Pretty exciting. How did you learn how to be a drum major? Um, I saw the guy do it and thought he was cute and thought it looked cool. <laughs> so I asked for help and he taught me and I practiced way more than my clarinet or my piano or anything else. <laughs> it was that in, is it college or is it high school? I did that in high school and then when I got to Boise State. Okay. So you just rattle off a couple more instruments. What else do you play? You play the clarinet? Trombone. Trombone. Piano, and then I sing. Okay, okay. You got to tell everybody because sometimes we were just having this conversation before we started recording here about um, learning instruments. Tell us when you started to learn to play the piano. When I was about eight, my mom gave me a month and a half worth of lessons, and and she made me flashcards, and I had a book, and so um, after that month and a half, my five younger siblings took her attention. And I went through the book, but I, after that, I slowly lost interest. And then again, in middle school, high school, I had a friend who took lessons and I would... Was it a boy who took lessons or a girl? No, a girl. Okay, I wish checking. it was a just boy. Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> um, she would play the left hand on the hymns and I would play the right hand. And after a while, I realized it was probably a little bit annoying for her to have to do that with me. She played it a lot easier and better on her own. So I started learning the left hand and by college I was able to put them together and was starting to learn how to play. I remember recording a couple of cassette tapes for missionaries that I was writing <laughs> of my <laughs> piano playing. <laughs> Super. It's romantic. <laughs> I love that you, I love that you started that so much later because so many times we think if we don't know it by the time we're nine or ten, no need to learn it. You can't. But that's not true. Never has been, but you're a good walking example of that. Um, okay, so you, you've talked so far about how you've um, had those experiences as a youth with music and feeling God was there. Um, can you tell us more about that throughout your life and how music has played a role in you learning to feel God's love? I think I've always had... I didn't share that my mom was the best primary chorister on the face of the planet. When I was younger, I remember specific moments of her face beaming as she taught kids. And I remember kids that didn't want to sing with other choristers sing for my mom. And I remember like the power in that. And then, um, especially when I was older, 
I realized that when I knew a song about a principle of the gospel, I was better able to recall it, to remember some of the details about that principle, and it putting the music with it made it seep deeper into my heart and to strengthen my testimony that way. It's been often since then, especially in college and as an adult, um, that answers to my prayers come through hymns, through lyrics of hymns, especially during the sacrament. Um, if I'm ever in a bad place, which I get sometimes because I struggle with some mental health issues occasionally, um, that is one of the fastest ways to break me out of it. Is Or if I'm prideful and hard-hearted, it can soften my heart. I've come to learn that sacred music is the key that tethers my heart to God. I love that. I love that. Um, you spent, during the months when it was hard for a lot of people in the beginning of COVID, you decided to spend some time writing. So I don't know the story yet. Tell me how that started for you, how you decided to create music during that time. Well, first of all, I was a bitter person about all the COVID procedures. I was annoyed by the masks. I like to see people and I like to be seen. Right. I'm not um, super happy with our education system lately and, and what it was doing to my family and our schedule or our lack of schedule. Um, I was pretty angry. Um, and by the time August came around, I was done. Um, my depression came on pretty severely. And I was at a point where I wanted to be done. And that is scary. But I remember praying and asking for help because I had been there before. And I was prompted to look at my patriarchal blessing and as I read it, two paragraphs stood out. One of them mentioned music, and another one was about my possible influence for good. And so in my snarky thinking, I thought, well, if I still have to be here, I may as well get my purpose out of the way so I can be done. <laughs> and then I can leave early and check out because <laughs> I was over it. So I started contemplating what those things meant. Um, there was a time in my life I had experienced so much, so many opportunities with music at that point. I thought, for sure, I'm done. Like, I've melt the, I mean, like, I've, I've received everything that there is. And as I thought about it, um, shortly after that, we had conference and President Uchtdorf talked about um, God will do something unimaginable for you personally and for the church as a whole and for the kingdom. And I remember taking that to heart and that helped me to have faith in that paragraph about the music and the part that I have never understood and never really felt like I've experienced or I wasn't even sure it was going to happen because I thought it was something that should have happened earlier in my life. So as I thought about that, <clears throat> some desire was starting to build. <clears throat> and then in October, we got COVID. And I was so mad about my kids not being able to socialize. So we had these 
massive Halloween parties ready for each kid. They were each going to have their own. We had all the decorations, all of the invitations, everything ready. And we got sick two weeks before. Our, our quarantine would end like the day after Halloween. So I was devastated. And then the kids were sick for a day. Steve and I were sick for two weeks, flat on our backs, so sick. And I thought, I deserve this. I complained about the masks. I was bitter about COVID. Dang, then a lot more of us should be getting sick. <laughs> so I remember being bitter and thinking, I, I can't ask for help. I deserve this. I Karma. <laughs> and then I sat down to the piano, and that's what I do when I'm at a low point. Wait, you're sick and you're sitting at the piano? Yes. Okay. If I'm sick, if I'm hurt, yeah. if I'm discouraged, I go to the piano. And I started playing the melody near near my God to be. And I thought of all the songs that come to me, why that one? I don't feel near to him right now. <laughs> I feel abandoned and being punished. And um, as I started playing, musical thoughts came to my mind and I started playing what I could. And then I would have to try to figure out the chords. And now I have preferences and taste in my music. So they had to make me happy. I worked at it for quite a bit of time, but by the end of COVID and two or three sleepless nights where my family probably didn't sleep because I spent those nights at the piano, um, I had most of a song arranged. And the other one that's involved in it is Love at Home, which (laughs) during COVID was probably not the hymn that would describe the feeling in our home. (sighs) We were tired of each other after quarantine. But I I knew that that would be key to becoming near to my Heavenly Father. I love that. So I needed to change something else. I had us agree to play her song for us tonight. Do you want to go ahead?
<laughs> You're good, so did I. Hannah, that was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And so for all you who are obviously not here, her daughter Megan was there playing along with her. Some top little pieces in there too. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. Um, thank you. Heather, what would you say to those who are um, have a desire or are on a quest to develop a, a new talent or skill or tapping into their creative side of their mind. What, would, what what suggestions or advice do you have for them? I think the first part is to believe that if you have an innate desire and you have a plan to help build God's kingdom, he will help you. One of the things that I always do before I play or sing or do anything with music, especially sacred music, is I pray for his help. My one desire is that someone will fill the spirit. And if I, I think that if we have the intention to share it and to lift others with our talents, Heavenly Father wants to help us and will help us. And I have faith in Elder Uchtdorf's unimaginable things will happen. This is not something I thought I would do. It didn't even occur to me that it was possible that this was something I was able to create. And now I'm on to my second one, and it's even better. <laughs> I hope. Podcast number two. <laughs> Get you back. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your your love and your talent and um, ability to inspire hope in others to to go do the same in their own their own way in their lives. We sure appreciate it. Thanks for listening to One Heart, One Mind, Nampa. Credit is given to Kim Keller, who oversees the podcast, both Lindy Bauer and Kim Keller, who are our hosts, Casey Maddox, the project director and announcer, Rachel Bauer, who was our site director. Likewise, thanks also to Michelle Lundgren, our project manager, John Freeman, our communications coordinator, Jesus Gomez, the key grip and podcast editor, as well as Don Ricker, our digital platform manager. Thank you for listening to One Heart, One Mind. We hope that you have felt inspiration and hope in moving towards Zion. As always, thank you. And may the Lord bless you.